1: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Thursday, July 30th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. With me, as usual, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, as we try to give out winners and put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, I know for you, this is almost like Christmas morning. We've got the NBA tipping off today. We're going to talk about it. We're going to go through those games. We're going to go through some props. We're going to talk about, will Zion play? Will Anthony Davis play? In general, Kev. I know you've got to be excited for today. The NBA finally resumed. I could cry. What a beautiful scene. I mean, this is just
2: fantastic. It is uh, it is legit back. And, you know, to be fair, right, not to take shots at other leagues, it doesn't really matter, right, but this is what a competently ran league seems to look like. Two straight weeks where they give us the update on all of their testing uh, to feature zero positive tests in the bubble obviously each new round you will wait to see what the results look like and hope that that remains uh consistent but uh they've done everything right to get to this point and they are set to reap the benefits now
1: yeah absolutely i mean you know we keep on hearing that there are no positive tests you know as long as right the players themselves kind of understand their own personal responsibility that is involved in this right and don't make detours to magic city at the first possible choice the the protocols that are in place inside the bubble not only in the nba but in the mls as well right kevin have seemed to be holding up thus As long as, like I say, the personal responsibility on the player's end is also there. We are going to go deep into all the action that'll be taking place in that Orlando bubble with the NBA tipping off, and of course, MLS moving to the next round of its tournament. We're going to have Tom Boger coming back to recap and rejoin us on that MLS tournament. All that coming up in our number two today, Kev. I know you're going to be really excited giving out some winners. I know there's that spread the love bet as well we got to see how high that is getting up to there still is a few hours left for that but kev we start the same way we have started over the last few days in major league baseball now we know that some of the teams have had their games postponed you know the marlins the phillies they won't be in action until the weekend or beyond but let's talk about these teams that are playing let's talk about games that are happening as we welcome back in our radio audience. One of the biggest things over this week was, you know, the Dodgers and the Astros linked up and the kind of almost brawl happened. Joe Kelly being a real tough guy, throwing at guys, you know, making faces yawning when he knows there can be no brawl when he knows they're not allowed to do anything. Well, Major League Baseball came down Kev, and is giving Joe Kelly eight games as a suspension. Okay, now in a normal season, prorated, remember about all those prorating conversations we used to have when they were going yeah. back and forth? Well, prorated, this would have been a 21 or 22-game suspension for throwing at the Astros, Kev. Remember, these same Astros who did not get suspended any games were cheating. What's your reaction to this?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's as if baseball was like, hey, do you want to see us do another dumb thing? Let's do it. <laughs> like, there's... there's- did Rob Manford not understand that we were playing a 60 game season and he just still slapped on the same eight game suspension that right. he would have given Joe Kelly over a course of one sixty-two? Like it is ridiculous. See, and I didn't even bother like tweeting out the joke. Cause I know that, you know, everybody else would have, and, and it's mm-hmm. not for lack of creativity. It's just, it was such an obvious point to make. They were harsher on Joe Kelly and right. the Astros who completely challenged the integrity of the entire league. And it's,
1: Pathetic. Yeah, here's my question for you. I agree, right? Like the idea that Joe Kelly is now getting suspended more than the Astros um, is a little bit, you know, out of whack, in my opinion. Let me ask you this, though Is every team going to do this? Or do you think the Dodgers, specifically, because they have a bigger bone? to pick with the Astros because they have kind of a more obvious, clear connect the dots case that the World Series was stolen from them, right? Like Joe Kelly wasn't even on this Dodgers team, but he was on a Red Sox team that got beaten, you know, by the Astros cheating. Do you think all teams are going to do this or just the Dodgers, maybe the Yankees are going to want their pound of flesh as well? So this is the the issue with this now, right? So the only team
2: that they might play that, that would really feel this way would be the Dodgers. They're not going to play the Yanks. They're not going to play the Red Sox, right? Um, unless they get into the postseason. I don't know if there's. Yeah, a the A's could think they got a the division postseason. title. Yeah, but you know what? Oakland. Oh, that's not really the point. I hear you. The question for me is if they if these teams meet up again and the Stros go to retaliate, we get another eight game
1: suspension. That deep into the year, right. better be. We better be. Yeah, you're right. It should be. Uh, we'll see if this was done to make an example or a deterrent. Some action happened on the field with a few teams yesterday. We'll talk about that when we get back, right here.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, you know, we were talking about this over the break, right? Like an eight-game suspension is really 21, 22 games in a real season. Do you think they just didn't realize about the pro rating of it all with a 60-game season? Or do you think, Kev, that it was more like they needed to go over the top here to try to make an example out of Joe Kelly and the Dodgers to try to prevent further action, either A, against the Astros, or B, in this context of coronavirus, they can't really risk having benches clear and people wolfing at each other's face. You know, those droplets are flying, Kev. Yeah, so I believe there's a,
2: an old saying that uh, goes, there. it takes two to tango, right? Yeah. So, to be, yeah. to be clear, Joe Kelly got suspended for what would be the equivalent of 22 games, because not only did he throw at them, not only did, did he um, yell at them, but he's also oh, yeah. the entire, he it's, it's entirely his fault that the Astros' entire team left the bench. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, And I know the idea that nobody in the room went, hey, that's a 20-plus game suspension. That's too much. The fact that nobody did that might sound crazy. Surely somebody had to. I don't buy it. I don't think a single yeah. person in the room brought up the point. There's no way that point gets brought up, and you proceed with that suspension. So you think they just forgot about it? no i just yes i basically
0: yeah, yeah
2: basically they're okay. like hey what would we what would we suspend them for eight games and then they submitted it and then they were scrolling twitter and i went oh no that is a 22 <laughs>
1: yeah ah, what well, are you I gonna hope- do I hope that was not the case. I hope there was some strategy and intent behind it. But in this day and age with Major League Baseball, I guess you don't necessarily know. Kev, on the field, the Dodgers got a little bit of revenge as well, right? It took 13 innings, though. And I want to ask you about that because I think for the first time with this idea of extra innings with the man on second, at least in the 11th inning in this game, the Dodgers scored a run. But then the Astros came back and scored a run as well. Could have put it away. I believe Michael Brantley grounded into a double play to extend the game. But the Dodgers, you know, they get the W. They go to four and two. The Astros go to three and three at the end of this uh, little mini game set. What'd you notice out of this game? I
2: think extra innings right now is becoming a situation where just play a live over if it looks like a game's going to go to extras. Uh, we had two of them were extras yesterday and in both of those games, four runs were scored in the extra innings. And, and you know, yesterday it was kind of funny how uh, it ended up, you know, getting all the way to 13 and it wasn't because both teams were held scoreless. They exchanged runs in the same inning uh, and, you know, then still had to go p- and play a little bit further on. But that's kind of something that, that is jumping out to me. I, I remember trying to take the pulse of this after that first game where, uh, I think it was Matt Olson hit that grand slam walk-off against the Angels, and it's like, oh, well, you know, how how much does that matter? Do, you know, is that kind of a fluky situation? But I feel like for the most part right now, if you see the uh, a game is about to go to extra innings, uh, and basically you're going to pay a run and a half for there being extra innings, uh, I think that might be all right here. It does feel as if more than
1: one run scoring in these extra frames um, pretty much is now going to be the normal. Yeah, I mean, listen, when there starts with a runner on second base, I saw a stat. I think the run expectancy right out the gate is something like 65% when you have man on second base already with nobody out. Well, the Dodgers got that W. They keep it going. They go now to Arizona today. It's going to be stripling on the hill for the Dodgers. Arizona will counter with Robbie Ray. They are at home. They are plus 136 dogs. And I got to tell you something. You were high on that bum yesterday for the arizona diamondbacks kev but he got hit up he got hit up a little bit by those texas rangers we're now having this as an nl west battle how do you see this game tonight dodgers at arizona stripling versus ray on the mound yeah the diamondbacks have been an interesting team i I think they've actually um i'm gonna double
2: check here i think they might have been dogs thus far in in all of their baseball games which is um you, you know i think that they're a pretty decent team so that like is somewhat substantial in my opinion that they've yet to actually find themselves as favorites and uh, playing the Dodgers is not really gonna help your case in trying to be favored. So you really have to pick your spots with this team and uh, you know what? I think it might be another spot though uh, to try and back the D-backs. I think Robbie Ray at the minimum is on the level of a Ross stripling and more importantly, uh, the Dodgers bullpen was really taxed these last two outings. Uh, that they had against the Astros traveling now uh, to Arizona and the D-backs getting to play their home opener. Uh, I think the D-backs here at a plus price uh, is a play for me.
1: All right, fair enough. You know, you were on the D-backs yesterday. You are going to go back to the well a little bit today. I was on Charlie Morton and the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. That did not work out as well. Because the Braves get a W seven to four. Want to mention a couple of things here in this one. One is that Freddie Freeman went yard had three RBIs. He looks good, you know, coming back from COVID. But interestingly enough, remember Nick Markakis had decided to opt out of the season. Many people thought part of it was after hearing about Freddie Freeman and talking to his teammate Freddie Freeman. Now Markakis has kind of reversed. Of course, he's going to kind of opt back in and play with the Braves, maybe giving them a a little bit of a boost. The Braves got a W seven four yesterday. Freeman was big. They send Max Freed to the hill, and they are favored today against these same Tampa Bay Rays, who send out Yarbrough. Yeah, I'm not sure though about Max Freed being a minus one fifty favorite against right. still a pretty good team in the Tampa Bay Rays.
2: Admittedly, though the the way I'd probably rather play this game is this over eight and a half number that sits there. That's a pretty low total when you look at the two guys that are on the mound. I I know that both of these teams, you know, depending on the day, maybe you can get some good work out of the bullpen. But uh, I thought the Braves' offense had a really nice day. The the, the Rays have been kind of doing their part, uh, and this game would have you know flown over an eight and a half. Uh, with a 7-4 score in yesterday's game. So uh, I think 8.5 is, is more than doable when you look at the guys that are going to be on the
1: mound. All right, fair enough. We got another game out west. Listen, as soon as I start talking about our Padres being the adopted team, Kev, they uh, they suffer a comeback loss. When I was watching it, they were up 6-2, to two, I believe it was. Paddock was rolling along. But, you know, this kid, Yastrzemski, I think he is, in fact, the grandson of, of Yaz, the great Boston Red Sox. He goes yard twice. The Giants get a comeback win, 7-6. to six. The Padres looked good for most of it, but they did still mm-hmm. su- suffer their second loss of the season.
2: Yeah, so and I, I think the big spot here, Dane, is with, with these kind of situations, is going to be trying to figure out if you can trust a team like the Padres when they lose a game that they're actually pretty heavy favorites in as well because Pat yeah. had the start. And they then go back to playing against that same team, and they remain big favorites. Can you trust them? So I think about what happened with the Reds, right? And after Mm Luis Castillo's start against the Tigers was squandered, well, Trevor Bauer, to me, and getting a win against the Tigers was all but a lot. And Bauer looked great, but unfortunately that team didn't pull together, and they actually lost two in a row to the Tigers. What do we have here with the Padres? Now, they're not going to be sending out a guy like Trevor Bauer uh, as quality to the mound, and they're not home in the same way that the Reds were. But you have to look at this game, I think, and ask yourself, what do you think about this Padres team? Maybe to a big. what do you think about it right now, 500 ball club in San Francisco? But uh, the Padres, if you trust this team to not to, uh, to drop two in a row, then they're going to be a team that you're going to want to play
1: on. You know, and that's a good point, Kev, right? Like there's levels to this right? And they grow in experience. I think about in the NBA, even Kevin, which you're so plugged into, right? These young teams, sometimes they make it to the playoffs, but have an early exit and they have to learn and grow to be able to handle Like a different level of challenge. It's one thing to be this young kid team that's hot that everyone thinks can do some things. But then when expectation comes, right, when you're supposed to, quote unquote, beat the teams you're supposed to, or can you get a road win? These are things that are a different level of experience that makes you trust a team a little bit more instead of them being this team that, hey, we like, hey, they can get it done. The, The expectations change Right. And those are some of the things that they're supposed to be able to do as a true contender. Yeah, absolutely. And,
2: you know, we looked at this team through their first couple of games and you start to say to yourself, maybe they could challenge the Dodgers. I'm not sure. And look, you're not going to lose. If you thought that maybe then you're not going to just toss it away after one game. But it's definitely the the type of scenario where if the Padres come out tonight and they just handle business comfortably win, that's a big
1: boost in confidence about how I might view this team moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be looking for cues in their growing up process with San Diego all season long. But for now, let's see what our guy Dan Stratford has to say to update the news. When we come back, we still talk about what went down in Major League Baseball last night and tonight. What's the news, Dan?
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Jeff Passon with a report on ESPN late on Wednesday night. Stating, following the coronavirus outbreak that infected nearly half the Miami Marlins roster and prompted the temporary suspension of the team season, Major League Baseball is encouraging players not to leave hotels in road cities except for games, mandating the use of surgical masks instead of cloth masks during travel, and requiring every team to travel with a compliance officer who ensures players and staff properly follow the league's protocol. This is all according to Passon and ESPN's sources. The updated rules outlined in a memo distributed to teams on Tuesday. Tuesday, came as MLB investigates the cause of the Marlins outbreak that has seen 16 players and two staff members test positive for COVID-19, and that is all according to passing and ESPN sources. The opt-outs continue to roll in for the National Football League. Kansas City Chiefs have seen their own opt-out for a second time now. Super Bowl champ Damian Williams informed the team on Wednesday that he would be out for the 2020 season amidst coronavirus concerns. The general manager, Brett Beach, was quoted as saying on Wednesday, as an organization, we certainly understand and respect Damien's choice, knowing it was made in the best interest of his family. He means a lot to our football team as a player and a person. We're going to miss having him around this year. The New York Giants offensive tackle Nate Solder, an anchor of that offensive line, has opted out of the 2020 NFL season as well due to coronavirus pandemic concerns. From the Giants of his decision on Wednesday as well, Solder cited, family concerns, including his son's battle with cancer and his own bout with cancer. He also has a newborn son as well. The Lions place Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson on the COVID-19 reserve list. They will remain sidelined until they are able to pass multiple tests and show no symptoms during rechecks. The Eagles placed right tackle Lane Johnson on the reserve COVID-19 test, though he did say he was feeling strong and ready to go. In some college football news, the ACC Board of Directors voted Wednesday to proceed with an 11- game football season that begins the weekend of September 12th and includes Notre Dame playing a full league schedule, but only if public health guidance allows. All ACC schools in Notre Dame will play 10 conference games, plus one non-conference game of their choosing. The Fighting Irish will be eligible for the ACC championship game. There'll be no divisions for this season only. I'm Dan Trafford, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update.
1: Thanks, as always, to Dan Stratford here giving us all the updated news from overnight as we once again welcome back in our radio audience across the country right here to sports Grid and the early line where we put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, you know, the Yankees last year hit 61 home runs against the Baltimore Orioles in like 19 games, and I think Glaber Torres hit like a third of them by himself. Okay, literally the second highest, I think, total for one player against any team all time. He went absolutely off against them. When you see the the alleys in Camden Yards, you can understand, right? Well, the Yankees hit another... Three home runs, including DJ LeMahieu, literally on the first at bat of the game. Hicks goes yard as well. Aaron Judge goes yard as well, and the Yankees pound the Orioles into submission. I believe nine three was the final in that one. I know you're on in game live, Kev. I know that I've been telling you. I just hope the Orioles can get out early so that maybe we don't get uh, we can get a little plus number or at least not minus. I think it was three twenty. It went off hey. at. Fortunately, that's not the case when the leadoff hitter from the Yanks goes yard off the pole. Yeah, this was actually a little bit of a frustrating game, which it shows you how greedy uh,
2: Yankees fans have been <laughs> at times, and I fully admit that and acknowledge that. Um, the problem was with this game, the Yanks were minus 360, right, Dan? Like, we didn't have that line for us yesterday when we talked about it. Right. Minus 360 is a lot, right? So now you got to start thinking, all right, let me lay a run and a half. Minus 235. All right, this is out of control. Let me lay two, get some play. Minus 145, minus two and a half. What are Minus two and a half still? Still. And I understand that all of those bets come in. But, like, it's kind of just, you know, are you going to be profitable over the long run, laying two and a half runs in a mile? No. No, you're not, right? So you're trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, maybe if you guys out there found a parlay partner for it, I personally... Didn't know what to do because I was looking at, you know, Brahm Scherzer. and Scherzer's matchups. And I'm like, right. one of these guys is going down. And, uh, you know, lo-, lo and behold, that was the case. I-, I-, I ended up not playing the game. And it was it was frustrating because I I wanted to. I was like, maybe I'll play the Yankees team total. And I'm like, but that's not backing Garrett Cole because I wanted to back Garrett Cole. Maybe I'll take his strikeout prop. All right, nine it's and a half. Like, I- look, he- I-, I get it. It's Garrett Cole. But, like, so there was just nowhere for me to get into the game. Yeah. So I'm- that's exactly what I did, though. I'm like, all right, maybe the Orioles will score for all right, we right. took the second pitch out of the stadium. Yeah, like it. This is entirely too frustrating. Let's do it again tomorrow. J.A. Happ's on the mound. Maybe they won't. Be. Minus 220. J.A. Happ's on the mound. That's
1: Hap's what I was going to ask, <laughs> ask you. This is not G. Cole, right? This is J.A. Happ. But yet I'm still staring at minus 220. I'm still with a run line staring at minus 152 with the run line. What about this, though? What about the total? What about the total? It seems like yeah. the Yankees, love hitting in this ballpark. I know it is high Mm -hmm. at 10, but at least it's not Garrett Cole on the other side. Maybe the Orioles can help you out uh, to get to this number of 10 as a total. Yeah, that's the thing. Camden yards
2: overs is something that I'll feel pretty good about. If the Yankees are going to be one of the teams playing there, Um, obviously the Baltimore Orioles should be the other team playing there, but you, you never know with the way that the, Uh, Blue Jays were on the move. And if we're basically saying we don't want to lay minus 220 because Jay haps on the mound, well, then that should mean the Orioles have a chance to score some runs themselves. I think you got a great point there, Dane. Uh, I think over 10 is a nice way to play this game. I'll say this, though, but minus 220 now, you do have the ability to parlay it with, even if I look for maybe another pretty big favorite on the board, I'll just go down to the Angels, who I think might be the second biggest favorite at about minus 200, and that'll get you to plus money at around plus 120. Hmm. The point there just being now at least, because even when you parlay a minus 360 favorite, you still got to do a lot of work to get it to plus money with whoever that second dance partner is here. Minus 220 now, a little bit more workable. Uh, You can play the matchups a little bit better. So uh, I think the Yankees will find themselves somewhere in a parlay for me.
1: All right, fair enough. Hey, Kev, as we travel a little bit up north, up I-95, we get to New York City we get to City Field, right? And it's interesting because after the first week of action, one of the things I started to hear buzz on was about the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, who had done something like going two for 20 in his at the beginning of the year, and we had talked about that, right? We were going to see some weird batting averages. We had talked about that. Could we find the stretch with a batting title leader that was going one for twenty, like Yelich was, like Alonzo was? Well, Alonzo decided to wake up. He goes four for four, including a little like bloop hit in the ninth inning as part of a furious Mets rally. Trying to come back on Brandon Workman and the Boston Red Sox, but Workman eventually gets the save and shuts it down. The Red Sox get their second win of the season. Uh, they win six five. Yet another example of when Degrom is on the hill for the Mets, pitching well, but ultimately the Mets do not get the victory.
2: Yeah, no, I was I was going to say that, kind of Dane. Right, like it was almost as if we were burying the lead. Yes, massive for Pete Alonso, but this is a bad loss in my opinion. For, you know, again, like, you can't get DeGrom the necessary help, and it's a little bit frustrating. I know it's not going to be perfect every night, uh, but then as soon as you turn it over to the bullpen, Lugo gives up the run, and then Wilson comes in and gives up three of his own. And impressively, though, they did battle back. Cespedes hits another home run. It's been pretty good, uh, at least finding some of the power. They load the bases. Nimmo, Mm McNeil, Alonzo. Bases are loaded. Nobody's out. You're down two runs. You've gotten to this Red Sox bullpen. And in fact, you've gotten to who their best reliever is in Brandon Workman. That's an opportunity squandered. Because you take a look at now the three losses for this team, right? So they lose 14-1. Okay, that's nothing you can do about that. It's not your day. You've had the Marcelo Zuna ninth inning home run that sent you to extras. And you had now this game where the bullpen wasn't able to get the job done, but you had a chance to steal it in the bottom of the ninth. You need to be able to split those two scenarios in the game where they had the lead going into the ninth. Edward Diaz gets taken deep by Marcelo Zuna, and you had a bases loaded, nobody out, down two scenario. You have to be able to split those. This is a tough loss for this Mets team that sits at three and three that probably
1: sits there saying we need to be five and one. Yeah, you're right. This bullpen, a lot of, you know, we thought going into the season, right? Maybe positive regression from Edwin Diaz. We liked what we saw potentially out of Batantis Familia. I like Lugo, but it was Lugo who got hit up a little bit yesterday. You know, so they, you're right. They have had the offense, they have had the starting pitching. If they had a locked in bullpen, it could be much better than the 500 record for the Mets. What about today? They stay in city field. It is not the DeGrom start for the Mets. Steven Matt's on the hill. Um, however, the Mets are still. You know, pretty big favorites in this game. Minus 150 uh, on the run line. It is plus plus one twenty six nine as a total for this game. They certainly got over it the last couple of days. Well, I think that's one of the big things
2: that'll stand out to me here is, are we starting to look at Fenway Park as um, a, a massive over uh, stadium? Now, I understood yesterday was 7.5, DeGroms on the mound. Ivaldi, the best pitcher for this Red Sox team. Yesterday was City Field, so- too, right? Yes, yesterday was City Field, right? So that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. So we leave Fenway after after eleven and a half and eleven and a half. I see City Field and the pitchers is um, get to the seven and a half. Matt's Perez nine feels low. I'm not sure. I, you know, and yesterday the, the the Boston bats obviously started to find a rhythm for what felt like maybe the first time in a long time, scoring six yeah. runs the most since they've uh, scored thirteen on their opening day here. Are we big on Matt? I'm I'm not necessarily sure. Uh, so. It's it's a dangerous spot because I've been burned on this total before. Uh, and it. But nine does feel low, Dane. And I'm not sure I really want to lay minus 150 on Steven Matz. I don't know if Steven Matz is a minus 150 type of pitcher. I feel like I'm basically fading Perez with that right. number because he was terrible in his first start. But then the over maybe is a little bit safer of, a, of an avenue still than having to hope Matz uh, is somewhat of a shutdown pitcher.
1: All right, so we'll see if Matts can get the job done tonight for the Mets at home in City Field against those Boston Red Sox. Well, you're right, did uh, put up more yesterday than they had in previous games. J.D. Martinez hopefully getting the bats starting to wake up. He had a big double to the gap, I believe, last night. One other game that was East versus East. I got to tell you, this Washington-Toronto series, I was interested in, remember, We talked about this yesterday, how one way to play it with Scherzer back on the hill. You were talking about the strikeout prop. But, Kev, I got to tell you, I don't know that Max Scherzer was the starting pitcher that we should talk about in this one. Because Blue Jays prospect, Nate Pearson, certainly delivered in his debut, right? He goes five innings, shuts down the Nationals, only give up two hits. Some people could say he even... Outpitched Max Scherzer. Now, when you think about it, we know about these kids coming up for the Blue Jays, right? The Bichettes, the Bigios, the Goriel Juniors, the Vladdy Juniors. When these kids come up, you're going to have to add some cornerstone pitching to it if they truly want to contend. This kid, Nate Pearson, with... He's hitting 99, 100 on the gun. He looks like he could be a blue chip prospect that could turn into a front of the rotation kind of starter for these Blue Jays. Him and Scherzer didn't give anything up. In fact, first run wasn't scored until extra innings. Ultimately, the Nats got the job done for nothing in extra.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's not really worth, right, debating over which guy had the, the better performance. Nate Pearson looked really good in his debut. And I think when you look at, the idea that this Blue Jays team could maybe enter a postseason series where, you know, you take your chances with Henry Rayu, right? Again, who they right. signed this offseason. And then Nate Pearson maybe establishes himself as a very strong number two option for this team. That's massive. That really, really is. And look, they were mm-hmm. very, very close to being able to get out of a bases loaded jam with nobody out. Tight call at second base. Ultimately, uh, they say the runner is safe. I was watching it last night on In Game Live with Cam Stewart, who felt as if the guy was out. Nevertheless, it leads then to an as-dribble Cabrera tripper, uh, triple rather that would uh, clear the bases and, and blew the game open a little bit there. But, but could you imagine had the Blue Jays got that one last night again? The momentum that they would be having uh, with three straight wins. That uh, I, I even in a loss, I've come away more and more impressed with this Blue
1: Jays team. Yeah, me me too. And I think Pearson is definitely the goods. And in this season, might as well give it a shot. You make a great point. Playoff team in a three-game set. Remember, that's what it's gonna be. No fans in the stands. Having two studs at the top of a rotation could be enough for the rest of the action in Major League Baseball tonight when we come back right
0: here on the early line. Mm-hmm.
1: Welcome back in everybody to the early line right here on sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. As always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh helping us go through all the games, understand the lines, understand what happens and bright and early in the morning, get you prepared to win a little bit of extra money today. Kev, you know, you're talking about like how the offenses can get going. We were talking about that in our last matchup and you know, the Cincinnati Reds offense got going as well. Remember, Mike Moustakis woke up not feeling that great. Well, he was back in the lineup. He goes yard. Nick Senzel goes yard for the Reds. They had an offensive output. They get it done 12-7 against the Cubs in a, you know, NL Central matchup. The Reds get their second win of the season. We've talked about that rotation that they have. You know, the bullpen kind of gave it up first time around for Castillo and Bauer. But if they're scoring 12 runs a game, you know, Hmm. they could use almost any pitcher. And be all right to get W's. Yeah, no, uh, I mean,
2: <laughs> you could throw me out there. You might be able to be comfortable with a 12-run 12 uh, twelve-run score. Probably not. Um, maybe an inning will work. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing with this game now, okay, because you're talking about the 12 runs, and I think it's a really, really important point. This series okay. thus far flown over. 15 runs <laughs> in that first game, 13 in the second, 19 last night. We get to today, it's you, Darvish, Louis Castillo. It gives us a total of, uh, of nine right now, Dane. I do wonder if sometimes we look at pitching matchups and just assume that two good offenses aren't going to hit the baseball when they've both been pretty hot. For me, I like the Reds here with Castillo. I thought he looked really, really good in that opening performance, and He's due yeah. a, a win. He deserves a win. Yep. And I think he can still go out there uh, and somewhat maybe limit this Cubs team. But when I look at a series thus far that has flown over, again, 13, the lowest number that we've seen in this series, and we post a nine, I think it's a little bit too comfortable assuming that a couple – again, yesterday was Sonny Gray versus Kyle Hendricks, right? Like, yeah. Kyle Hendricks threw a complete game shutout in his first game. Sonny Gray is a true ace. And we had 19 runs scored in the game. So for me, over nine, a lot of overs today jumping out to me. Dan,
1: let me ask you about this. Uh, We haven't talked about this market as much in these games. We've talked about strikeout props. We've talked about totals. If you have faith in Castillo as the starter, right? What about the first five innings, Kev? Is that a market you play in when you have big time starters? I know the Reds are like minus. What are they? Minus 120, I think, for the game, right? But in the first five innings. Because then you have that good old three-way line, like soccer, because the draw is possible, after five innings. What about Castillo and the Reds? In the first five innings, they're at even money, plus 100. Do you ever play in that market, especially when you just like the starting pitcher but maybe don't have as much faith in late-game action or in the bullpen of a team? Yeah, no, I think
2: it's a really good way. Uh, you know. And the thing is, a lot of the times, though, the the book will find itself kind of uh, agreeing um, with you, I would say. Um, right. The interesting thing with the way the FanDuel Sportsbook plays it is it's almost like a soccer uh, line here, right? We've got yeah. a draw coming in at, at plus yeah. 500, so there's plus money abound. There's plus money everywhere, which will make right. this an attractive option. The other way, Dane, the get in, get out special, no runs in the first inning. Happened yesterday Ooh. with Sonny Graham, yeah. Kyle Hendricks on the mound. Uh, it's okay. even money for the first innings, total runs to be zero. Um, I'll tell you what, For and maybe it's me because I, I, I sometimes will hang on every bet a little too much. But anytime someone makes contact, you're like, oh, no, just because it's like, it, it's, <laughs> you know, the game is on the line now, every, you know, with each batter sure. in those first uh, inning bets. But came home yesterday, two good pitchers on the mound again today. Uh, it's something I'll take a look at for sure.
1: All right. Fair enough. Now, listen, there are going to be two good pitchers on the mound in Minnesota today as well. And I got to tell you the truth, Kev. If you ask me what team have I been most impressed with uh, so far this season, it might be the Minnesota Twins, right? Their offense is one of the best in all of baseball. They continue to hit home runs. They continue to score runs. Rich Hill with another good performance last night, you know, Five scoreless innings. I've always said Rich Hill can get it done for five innings. And they're going to send up a good pitching matchup tonight against Cleveland. This could be the top two teams in the AL Central. We're going to have, you know, Bieber on the hill for Cleveland. We're going to have Berrios on the hill for Minnesota. Minnesota is a minus 112 favorite. But tell me what you think about this total, okay? Because these are offenses that can get the job done. But I'm staring at eight and a half which is a low total. Are you going with the offense of Minnesota or are you going with these arms that will be on the slab, Bieber and Berrios, to put these offenses in check when the Indians travel to Minnesota to take on the Twins?
2: Yeah, so it's it's a really, really good point you bring up. Uh, I can't help but go back to Berrios-Giolito, which was the opening day matchup for the White Sox uh, against the Twins, and the total was nine. There were 15 runs scored in that game. And I know we've got now Bieber, Berrios, and uh, I would favor Bieber uh, over Giolito. And is Berrios really going to be that bad two starts in a row? But eight and a half is really, really low. However, the Indians just played to three straight unders against the White Sox. Uh, That two game set with the Cardinals. The Twins played to two consecutive unders. So it's a very, very difficult spot for me. And, And then, like, the fact that Shane Bieber... Uh, is now kind of being listed a little bit though as a dog like I know Berrios is good but I think Dane it's fair to say Bieber you would give the edge to in terms of just quality of pitcher here I am really really struggling with this game I I think though I might end up coming around on Shane Bieber at even money because I I can be sold either way very easily on this total but Shane Bieber looks so fantastic in that opening start and um, To to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, this guy is going to make the Cy Young push that some people were saying.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Bieber and Clevenger at the top of that Indians rotation are young. That's why they felt OK to cast aside Corey Kluber. Remember, they, they knew they couldn't keep all of those guys, the Klubers, the Carrascos at some point. And they were like, that's OK. We've got these kids coming up. And that's part of the reason why Kluber and his shoulder stiffness are no longer part Of the Cleveland Indians. However, you know, we keep talking about these two teams. We've mentioned the White Sox in the AL Central. I don't know, Kev. I'm giving the Padres love for starting like four and one. Kev, at what point do we mention the Detroit Tigers? I mean, they're four and two, Kev. Mm. I mean, you know, and six games, you're like, ha, ha, ha. A tenth of the season is now done. Okay, that's like 16 games in a regular season. And here the Tigers stand at 4-2. and two. They send out Ivan Nover. Now they're plus money today. Again, plus 114 going up against the rookie for Kansas City. <laughs> Can the Tigers keep rolling, Kev? Yeah, th- this one was a little jarring,
2: though. It, now, I don- I'm not sure if Singer maybe is a-, a bit of a coveted prospect, is the idea that there's no way the Tigers will win. Uh, three straight baseball games, but the minus 130 number on the Royals is throwing me for a loop a little bit here. Yes, you have to look. The Tigers' win total was 20 and a half, right? I mean, we are getting close. We are getting close. The yeah. table for this game is interesting because I've been talking about overs all day long. And yeah. this series started with a 14 6 game in the Royals' favor, but then we had two straight unders seven runs and then nine runs today. It sits at 10 and I think maybe I'll come back around to an under here on the board. Uh, I know it's not two great pitchers, but look, it's also still not too great lineups and 10 uh, one of the higher totals that we see on the board. Like for contacts, it's the second it's tied with the highest total with Yankees Orioles and Camden yard, right?
1: Yeah. Listen, I, I hear you. The idea that maybe everyone else is adjusting too with, These overs have been coming in. You're talking about these overs. Maybe early in the season, you know, pitchers are not stretched out as much, you know, not ready to go, but it's already still warm outside. The ball is flying. And let's not forget in the last couple of years, we have been setting record upon record with these three true outcomes, launch angle, exit velocity. These are the stats in the game that matter because people don't care if you go one for four with three strikeouts. If that one is a long bomb over the fence, Kev, we got one other game. Talk about you liking overs today or looking for overs today. Mm. The last game on the slate is Seattle and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Well, yesterday, they certainly went over in their game. The Mariners got a 10-7 victory. Kyle Seager with three RBIs. And then I turn my attention to today, Kev. Those two teams renew hostilities. They get it going again. The pitching matchup. Does not scare me, Kev. Dylan Bundy on one side, Marco Gonzalez on the other, and I'm staring at another nine total. They had 17 runs across the plate yesterday. You're on this over tip. Is this another over opportunity?
2: The Mariners are 5-0-1 to the over right now. Oh, there you they go. are, The over baseball team in the league. So I think the only way to play this one right now is to play the over, especially, as you have mentioned here, at a 9 where, I don't know, I would have thought maybe it got to 10. I'm not sure. But uh, nevertheless, I think that is the way to play Here's what I'm going to do. So the Angels and the Mariners series started on the same day as the Padres and the Giants series. Day one, we parlayed the two favorites. We got the job done. Day two, they both lose in a parlay that I had. But that's okay because now I'm not off the pace. You know, we always talk about parlay partners, right? They go hand in hand. In my world right now, the Angels and the Padres, they're dating. They're they're, they're a match made in heaven. And we're just going to keep moving these guys forward and moving them together and hope that the Padres don't lose two in a row, despite the fact that they're still on the road to the San Francisco Giants, who they are the better team. And then the same is true for the Angels, to not lose two in a row at home to the Seattle Mariners. They're both laying big numbers. And I got to give, you know, a lot of credit, actually. Last night, Dane, I was on with Cam. He goes, you cannot bet the Padres and the Angels at their respective numbers. He goes, I'm going to play both dogs. If I get one, it's a plus night. And if I get both, hallelujah. And he got both. And that's amazing. And I told him, I said, look, the only way I can play it is I'll take a a shorter plus money on both favorites to win in a parlay. And that was pretty much the only way you could approach it because you can't lay minus 250 on Andrew Heaney, right? It's just a ridiculous right. number that was being laid with the Angels. And even still, minus 200 with the upstart Padres on the road was a little bit much. I will look to parlay these teams again, as I've done for the last two days in a row, and hope we don't have a situation like the Reds where oh, there's no way they lose two in a row to the Tigers and hope that both the Padres and the
1: Angels pull through. All right, I hope so, too. You remember, Padres are now our adopted team. So, you know, I'm going to be <laughs> riding with them. Although, I'm not sure um, that line, the lines are not just up yet for San Diego, yeah. San Francisco. When we get that pitching matchup, it should be, I think, Nelson Lament going again tonight after Paddock. At least he followed him the first time around. I got one last question for you because we've covered all the games. I got one last team I want to ask you about. What are you doing, Kev, right now if you're on the Philadelphia Phillies? You know, like the Marlins, the Marlins we know about, they were irresponsible, they were getting tested. The Phillies now, for two days in a row, right, and, and we knock on wood, they've come back with zero positive tests. They're kind of like in limbo as well. The Yankees didn't want to go there. They went to Baltimore instead, the rejiggering of the schedule. The Phillies now have this pause. What do you think is the impact on them? What are they doing, just chilling? I mean, they're probably just sitting, waiting, being tested. Are you going to
2: fade them in their first game back? So their first game back is going to be Saturday, doubleheader against the Blue Jays. Yeah. That's weird. It's it's a weird set. I I think I might go for the Phillies, though. I don't know. Yanks, after a little bit of a layoff, looked real sharp against the uh, the Baltimore Orioles, although the Orioles were on a layoff. It's a little weird, but I might back the Phils. All
1: right, we'll talk about more what the Phils may need when we come back right here on the early line. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. And, Kev, next hour, we're going to give everybody the edge on the NBA, which tips off tonight. I know you're very excited about it. I do want to very quickly mention something that Dan Stratford said in the update. Now, I asked you about the Phillies. Like, what are they doing? Are they just chilling? They were okay, right? They were just playing against the irresponsible Marlins, and now they're in limbo as well. The Marlins, you know, maybe we're doing some bad things. We heard from Stratford that now each team is going to have a compliance officer traveling with them to make sure that they are not breaking protocol or doing the right things because apparently the Marlins were not. How do you view this news, Kev? Is this like something you got to put in the policy or is it a little bit ridiculous that these professional athletes need babysitting?
2: <sighs> it's This is the thing, Dane, that's really puzzling to me is – they are the only team with the positive tests since this past Friday. Yeah, and like I'm trying to figure out is maybe were we too harsh on the idea that the, the bubble concept doesn't work. But what's really staggering to me is that yesterday we got another positive Marlins player. Like, right? I'm I'm trying to like does this did, like is it this easily transmittable? Because you yes. would think so that. No, no, but here's my thing, though. Here's my thing. I know that 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 sounds silly. Here's the reason why I asked that question. Juan Soto had it, and yet he's the only national. What in the world did the Marlins do that we are now up to 18 members of this organization? Like, I'm not trying to be funny about it or anything. Like, what happened here that this got this far along? It is very, very puzzling to me that. This is like, it almost does beg the question, right? If the MLB went as far as to say, listen, you guys are done. And it was almost a bit of a punishment. I almost think it would would be hard pressed to
1: not say that it would be fair. How has this gotten so far along? No, it's clear. Right. I think you're, you make a good point. Like maybe the bubble and the protocols do work, but when you have an outlier of irresponsibility, this is what happens. And maybe that is the lesson learned for all these athletes out here. Seriously, it can spread. The NBA tips off and we cover it next hour here on the Army Line.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.